Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leacher, and thank you so much for joining me today. Now, in today's show, I'm going to be talking about the rites of passage that is pregnancy and birth and becoming a mother and how that transforms us as women and how we are presented with challenges and difficulties and, you know, as life does and how we choose to step up to those and and therefore grow as a, as a woman, as a, as a person. Um, from all those things. And so I, I find this a really interesting thing because I certainly, when I think about my own experience, my both my pregnancies and my miscarriage were all opportunities for me to sort of take a look inside and, and figure out what was going on and, and why I was feeling that way. And, th- and then sort of made me take action, made me improve who I was, g- become a better version of myself. You know, it was because of my because of being pregnant, because of being fearful, because of my miscarriage, that that I was propelled to do what I did that enabled me to actually be much happier with who I am and doing something that I enjoy with my life rather than, than doing a job that used to stress me out and made me miserable, you know. And so we all have that opportunity when we're pregnant, when we are facing motherhood for the first time. And the thing is, not everybody does step up to that. Some people kind of bury their head in the sand and, and don't uh, do the work. I say the work in inverted commas. They maybe shy away from it. They sort of maybe put their head in the sand and, and act in denial that all this is happening and, and just think they can kind of wing it a bit. Um, but really, I think it's the, the, the good stuff comes to those that think, hey, I'm just going to jump in feet first with this. It might be a bit mucky. It might be a bit tricky and hard, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to step up and I'm going to do what I can to walk through this, not walk around it and avoid it. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. And to help me do that, because obviously if I just did that on my own, I'd quickly run out of things to say. I've got somebody to join me to help me sort of thrash that one out. So today I'm going to be joined by Charlotte. And so Charlotte's going to talk a bit about her birth experiences, about how she was, uh, how she faced certain things and, and who she became as a result of her own miscarriages and births. And so there's a little bit birth story in there, some positive births, and also uh, how she felt that she stepped up as a woman. So I think it's just a really interesting conversation to listen in on, particularly if you're maybe uh, coming up to being a first time mum, and this is all so new. And you're not, you know, you're not really sure what's in store, which, you know, obviously you won't be because it's still your first time. But there's a whole other aspect to pregnancy and motherhood that I don't think is talked about enough. So so that's what I wanted to give it some airtime really to talk it through. And, and what's really great about chatting to Charlotte is she's a therapist. She was a therapist before she became pregnant. So she's speaking in, in, in a very sort of emotionally aware way, which I think can be very helpful, uh, particularly for those that maybe are still trying to, to strive for that. So so that is what today's chat is all about. Um, so in a minute, I'm going to hand over that, but I have just got a quick hello uh, to, to say before I do hand over that. Today's hello goes to Paloma. 
And Paloma's, she's emailed me from the States and she said, I'm not pregnant yet, but I was terrified to be. And she said, when my husband and I start, decided to start trying, uh, I realised I had to do something to fight my fears. And she's been listening to the podcast and it's made a huge difference. And now she is no longer afraid. She feels empowered and actually excited for the process and is aiming for a complete natural birth. I mean, I love this story. Thank you so much for getting in touch, Paloma, and letting me know how we've, you know, how helped you to turn around all the stories and all the stuff that you've listened to. It's absolutely brilliant. So I, you know, do keep me posted with the pregnancy and the birth. I want to hear all about it. Absolutely want to hear all about it. Anyway, so um, now back to today's chat. So here, this is a time that I spoke to Charlotte all about the rites of passage that is pregnancy and motherhood. So I hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome Charlotte to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Alexia. It's really great to be here. Now, we're going to be talking about a really interesting topic that I can't wait to dive into, which is really around how pregnancy and birth can shape us as a woman. And you've got so much personal experience to share in this. So, But before we sort of dive into all that, would you mind just sort of telling the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Hi, yes. My my business is called Birth Essence, and that is um, a business that grew out of experience of childbirth for myself. And before that, I was already a therapist. So I work with women who are scared of giving birth for many different reasons and help uncover old cell memories or blocked um, energetic patterns, anything that's preventing them from really being the full woman they are to to choose the birth they want and do that. So how did you come to do, like what, what led you to do this kind of work then? Yeah, the, the specialisation came with the birth of my first son. When I realised when, you know, when you get that conversation, oh, we've got one baby and how was the birth? And when I go, it was excellent. It was fantastic. I loved it. And then people look at me like I'm an alien, certain people, and and go, really? They're not expecting that level of enjoyment and level of, of just energy about it because so many people have not had that experience and it made me realize that oh, actually my experience isn't isn't the norm and I was like one day I just got this light bulb moment when I was kind of going what should I do what should I do and I was like of course you can use all the skills you've got to help other women to experience this this level of fulfillment in in birth and becoming a mother it wasn't that I didn't have challenges, it was that I had the tools to deal with them. And that had come through to me. I was already a therapist because I'd I'd gone travelling and I was like, yeah, this is fun. And, and then I was like, what do I do? What do I do with my life? This is no meaning. It's boring. <laughs> travelling around, it's fun, but it's boring. And I I was really depressed underneath. And so I, I had this book leap off the shelf at me. It was called The Journey by Brandon Bays. And I cried all the way through the book. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to train in that. <laughs> So I'd already trained in that and got so much benefit from my own from from my own development from clearing why I was depressed. And in that I'd actually I didn't didn't join the dots at the time, but it's a process of uncovering blocked cell memories that have caused parts of you to shut down in some way. And the lady who wrote it had had a tumour which had allowed her to develop the system. And I'd, I'd quite often revisited my own birth experience spontaneously which really like kind wow. of blew my mind the first time because I hadn't expected it I was expecting memories that I could remember mm. and, um, and of course they're not necessarily ones we remember and then when I added the dots up later I was like of course I've gone through that revisiting that and then now I've had my own children and and this is something that I can really 
stand there and speak to women and say, I, I, you can do this. Mm. So I'm really intrigued about you sort of recovering these birth memories of your own birth. Can you just sort of tell us a little bit more about that? Because I'd love, this is something I really want to do. I want to, I want to re-remember my birth, although I know that on an energetic level, it was incredibly traumatic for me, but I'd love to, I'd yeah. love to uncover that. And I'm just curious as to what that experience is like. Yeah, the first time was in the context of learning how to do the journey at one of the courses. And we were just practicing skills. So I was like, as you do when you're just practicing, mm. <laughs> it up on me. And I literally was guided in a very relaxed place, like like hypnosis, I guess, guided very relaxed. You go down some steps and you, you're you encouraged to go on a journey inside the body. And, my, and then you look at what it's – some people see pictures, some people um, – just get a sense or a feeling if you're more kinesthetic type of working and I got like a Harry Potter corridor I was like oh it was at the time when Harry Potter was just stories were still coming out and I was like oh I wonder what that is and I was going along a corridor and it's obvious later on what the corridor was but I was like oh pictures on the wall and then I was like oh a bright light and then I was absolutely terrified and Sometimes when you go in these processes, you don't get the feelings in the same way as if, say, you're going in front of a bus and the terror's right in your face. But I was literally hanging onto my chair, going, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. And I didn't know what it was still. And then there was this bright light at the end of the tunnel. And I was like, oh, it's a hospital, it's a hospital. Where am I? What, what is this? And then I got so, oh, and I went to the hospital when I was 12. You know, my head was trying to work it out. And then I suddenly went, oh, my God, I've just been born. And it was one of those where you can't make it up. I just knew that was right. And I was kind of shyly saying to this this person who was helping me, who was also learning, um, I've just been born, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. And then you, you go through a, period, a place where you can put the memory on a, a video screen so it can help you work with it without the feelings of fear getting in the way initially. So then we looked at what had happened to me and I was able to check it with my mum after because I didn't know much. I knew I was born breech. I didn't know very much about what happened but what I'd, what I'd experienced in the memory that initial memory was the separation from my mom and I was placed in an incubator um, because I'd got cold and um, so I experienced that as very traumatic they also helped me out with forceps so I, I kind of I didn't see all the detail from memory but the pain mm. when I checked my mom it fitted or fitted and so I was able to realize that my mom loved me and that she hadn't you know dumped me because mm. <laughs> the baby's point of view was where's my mum's got mum gone yeah and I was really really scared that I'd never see her again and what's very interesting in other memories I'd I've since and previously to that had some memories where I wasn't sure my, I was going to see my mum again and I feel they all link back to that first time mm. that I had a heightened fear of my mum leaving because I didn't know that I was already scared because she'd left that time. And when we store it, it doesn't matter that she comes back if it's not acknowledged that you were scared of them not coming back. It can get stored over the belief that they're not coming back, mm. even though they did. Mm. Like she obviously, she did um, in that experience. So that was like quite a surprise. And after that, I, it happened again and again because there were so many aspects to it. I spoke to my mum in that one and resolved the fact. Like I got a very direct feeling of, oh yeah, my mum does love me. <laughs> it sounds obvious, but the baby didn't know. And then after that, I was angry with the doctors, I was angry with God, I was angry with all these things. <laughs> um, and so I had different sections and different parts to that, which is incredibly rich because there were, for example, the help with the forceps meant that I didn't believe I could do anything on my own. Mm. 
that I would always need help and that has shown up in patterns across my life where at the last minute I've like felt I couldn't do something and also over my life I'd have a pattern of trying to do everything by myself and not trusting everyone and it all could link in I've occasionally gone back to the birth experience and felt when the baby was like oh no I'm blocked here or and when I've cleared that I can then see how that changes how I react to um, situations today Mm. because the programming is different if you like and I think when we're being born both the woman like most most people start to learn when they're pregnant that you can go into an altered state where you don't know the time or and time goes a bit hazy and the baby is in that altered state as well and because they're so new they haven't got their sense of identity yet and separateness and so they really take on everything that's happening and they don't really know that so I find it really fascinating to look at that and then when I gave birth to my son then I realized because I all through my pregnancy with my son I was doing that kind of work on myself to check for any fears that came up um, so that I wouldn't be fearful giving birth. So just talk us through that, that how you sort of dealt with identifying your fears, overcoming them, like just that kind of process that kind of that you went through so that women listening can have a little bit of a handle on, you know, how you would approach that and how they might be able to approach it. Yeah. So I, I already had an idea what I'd want because it was my second pregnancy and I'd started to think about the subject and and we were talking with my husband and I knew I wanted a home birth and I, I, I knew that already and I was looking at that. And when I knew I was pregnant, the first thing that came up was total, utter terror with no reason to it. And I thought, oh, I wonder if this is because of the miscarriage. I think he's not going to stay. So I immediately went inside and asked are you going to stay this baby, (laughs) you know, are you going to stay this time? And I got this really strong feeling straight away inside, like golden energy rooting me to the earth, and it was solid, and I was like, oh, he's staying, this one's staying. And I knew that. And, you know, sometimes we get strong messages, and sometimes we don't, and in this case, it it was a strong message that that was okay. And I thought, oh, I can stop being scared. And you know what happened? I didn't stop being scared, and I was like, oh. And I thought, you know, I can either carry on, you're going, oh, you know, you know how you kind of like sometimes when we, we were talking to our friends and we like to get that support and we go, oh, well, you know, I had a miscarriage last time, maybe it happened again. I thought, I can't do that because I know he's not staying. So I had to face what the real fears were then. And I, I didn't know. And I think it was interesting how it coincided with that early period when the baby's first forming and you often get morning sickness. And that I had this terror that I couldn't even name. So I was using another tool I use is called the NPA process which supports you to move into flow with energies and you don't necessarily look at the memories with that sometimes they come up sometimes they don't but it's doing a similar thing so I was able to sit in that without even knowing exactly what it was and release it so I'd release it every time it came and it made me feel really strong because I was getting through this and I was okay and it was also new to me that there was so much learning. And I think that could have been part of what it was. I didn't know anything about pregnancy, about babies, about mothering, about never done babysitting, never done nappies. And suddenly there was this, you know, I've got to learn all this. And I think I think I needed that time. And then the, the next part of pregnancy, I, I had a bit of a break from that. And then I just kept calling colleagues and um, every time I had any kind of worry or fear, my main one for that pregnancy later on, was I was worried about the authority, if you like, the midwives not letting me do what I wanted to do. 
Um, and I think, again, that came partly from my own birth experience where my mum wasn't able to finish giving birth to me without the assistance. And she didn't experience it as traumatic as me because they were helping her. But I wanted to do it by myself. And so in this case, I wanted to give birth by myself as well. And I was really worried that they would interfere. And, and that wasn't, I knew it wasn't real because the midwife were really supportive. So every time that came up, I looked at different memories until I felt really strong. My midwife actually said to me, it was really funny. One day she turned around to me and said, you know, I'm not worried about you. You'll be all right. Because <laughs> I was a first time mother and I'd had a few things where I'd had to go in and be checked. And we actually flew to the Gambia to get married during my pregnancy. And I needed a fit to fly certificate and I'd had a low lying placenta and they had to check it had moved and things like that. So there were lots of things that that made me a bit worried whether I'd be able to have the home birth, obviously, if the placenta hadn't moved, I wouldn't have been able to. So with all this work that you did during your pregnancy, it, you know, for you, it sounded like, based on what you said at the beginning of our chat, that it really paid off. You had a really great birth experience. I did. One of the things that I noticed was that the midwives, the, the midwife who I didn't gel with immediately, the midwife that I was chosen, um, and in, in Birmingham, you, you do have quite a lot of continuity of care in the midwife that you see in the antenatal period, but not you don't know who's coming at birth. And so I was seeing the same one for my checkups. And I didn't gel with her initially, but I worked on that. And and then everybody that I saw was like, yeah, home birth. And I know that isn't the case. I'd heard other friends where people were saying, first time mother, oh, you know, maybe we should go into hospital. And I believe they were responding to what I'd felt inside. I was very sure about it. And when it came to the birth, well, it was quite funny because I I didn't really know anything, even though I'd learnt these things, you know, until you do it, actually do it. And I'd read that first-time mothers often go longer than 40 weeks, so I was ready for that. But at 39 weeks, <laughs> and I got this sort of period pain-like feeling, I thought, oh, I wonder if that's Braxton Hicks. Let's go to bed. <laughs> and I went to bed and went into labour and spent the night in labour in bed. And I knew I was in labour then because I, I couldn't really ignore that. By the end of the night, I guess I was asleep and I, a contraction had happened. I'd wake up and go, ooh, and go back to sleep. But by the end of the night, I had to actually get up on all fours and rock around and then lie back down. Um, and my husband was kind of asleep next to me. So then in the morning, I timed them. They were about five minutes apart, but they weren't so strong that I couldn't talk. And I was like, oh, my, that's my husband's name. We haven't got the pool up yet. Come on, get to it. <laughs> Because it was only 39 weeks and I wasn't very prepared. So he spent the morning moving furniture around, getting the pool ready, while I kind of like ran up and down the stairs going, is this the plug? Is this normal? <laughs> and um, so it wasn't quite the relaxedness that I'd envisaged, but it was it was great. So then in the afternoon at about four, we'd managed to get things ready. The pool was up, it wasn't full. And I was calling the midwives and they were like, because I sounded so calm, even though I had like, oh, well, you know, because I didn't have anyone, like I didn't have a woman there. Mm. to say to me cool just chill out a bit go and you know breathe deeply it's all good so although I rang the midwives and they were great I didn't have anyone to remind me just to ch chill out a bit more so I wasn't scared I wasn't in too much pain but I was like running around a bit too much like excited although I had gone to bed it was a really good thing I had plenty of energy so I called the midwives and they were like you know you're talking to us and fine just wait until it you know goes up a gear and then call us again I was like oh okay so I put the phone down as soon as I did it went up a gear and I was like I didn't know how how it was going to be so I didn't know where how much labor I was in and I was like I don't want to call them out and then I'm not really in labor yet so then 
when it got to like 6pm, I just called them and said, uh, come now, please. And they said, how long are your contractions? And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to do that. And, and they said, are they a minute long? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. But I, I just knew, you know, when you've, you've done lots of work and I just knew at that point, I really knew. And I couldn't talk much when the contractions were on. I said, just come. <laughs> I think they know those tone of voices. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one part of my mind wanted to say, you don't really know. What if they come and you're not in labour? And the other one was going, just come now. Mm. So they came and it was so beautiful because by this time it was the evening and we'd shut the curtains. It was quite dim. We had a couple of candles on the pool. Up. We hadn't quite got it full. That was the main stress thing of the, of the birth, actually. We had the hot water cutting out. We couldn't get the birth. My husband was fantastic with buckets and all sorts. And this lovely midwife came. I didn't know her. But as soon as she walked in the room, I was like, yeah, I like you. <laughs> and, and it meant that I didn't have to spend much time coming out of my zone and checking her out or anything. I just was like, yeah, I like you. Mm. She came and the other one had gone to get a gas and air, which I didn't want. But, and um, I actually had a vaginal examination because I didn't even realise that I could have said no to that. I thought I had to be told I was 10 centimetres <laughs> before I could push. I don't know how I'd managed to not even realise stuff like that. But she was really respectful. She asked me if I'd had one, if it was okay. And because I don't think she realised I didn't know I could say no, but she did ask me if I wanted one. So I had, she said, oh, you're eight centimetres. And it was actually really beneficial because I was like, wow, I actually am really, I'm right. <laughs> I am in labour properly. I'm eight centimetres. And, um, and it was just comical. She said, so have your waters broken? I said, no, I don't think so. And I stood up and they, they went all over the floor. <laughs> we both started laughing. I said, that'll be them, won't it? And after that, it was just quite a blur, really, because I was on my hands and knees on the sofa and just rocking and rocking. And my main concern was get that pool full. Yeah. I really wanted to get in it. And when I got in it, it was blissful. I just, I got in the pool finally and they were all, they were so supportive. The other midwife had come and she was lovely too. She was relatively new. She'd never been, it was her first home birth and first water birth, she told me after. And they were saying, look, it's not quite full enough to give birth in, but get in and he'll keep filling it up. So I just got in and went, ah. Oh. It is like that, isn't it? You do yeah, feel such a relief. Disappeared and all the pain disappeared. Mm. I had no pain at that point from then on for the rest of the labour had no pain I'd already more or less started pushing by then and, and I had started yeah I had started pushing so I remember saying to the midwife uh, my body wants to push now and she kind of barely looked up from she was still filling the paperwork in and she said oh you let your body do what you want and um, I was like oh in the back of my mind sort of because my mind wasn't really there was oh I thought they had to check <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't know and she was just you follow your body because she obviously knew could tell by my behavior she'd examined me to be eight centimeters she could tell by my behavior the waters had gone all was well yeah. so and I was in it going oh I still don't know what I'm doing but I was kind of really getting into it and in the pool it was beautiful oh it was so beautiful I nearly fell asleep <laughs> oh wow but I was kind of just like floating in between contractions I felt like they slowed down I don't know if that's true or not because I I slowed down Mm. I, I know they came around just after six or half six I know he was born at quarter to nine but I don't know when I got in the pool mm. and I, I just kind of floated it was so lovely and then he did the classic thing of coming down moving back coming down moving back. <laughs> and I could feel him and there was one point where 
I had some amazing experiences in the pool. There was one point where I didn't have a contraction, but I felt my body open and I felt him move down wow. as if having one. But I didn't even feel the sensation of the contraction. I was like, oh, that's a bit freaky. It was so cool. Yeah. The crowning did sting a bit because it tensed up slightly. And then he shot out. I guess like the fetal ejection reflex because it was so undisturbed. They had little head torches, but they weren't touching me. Mm. He just shot out across the pool so fast. In fact, one, you know, like you see those videos, lovely videos with the head out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen to me. He just came out. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have his head out first. Both of them have done that. Boom, straight out. <laughs> they just touched him a little bit to push him back. They called my husband quickly. He'd just come in before that, and we kind of picked him up out of the water. And it was so blissful because, like many water births, he didn't cry. He, mm. he came out with his eyes closed. They checked. They said his birth, his heart rate didn't move when I was in the pool either. It was it was the same. He was really relaxed. <laughs> and um, and then he just went. <gasps> And I was like, I was going to like say, it's time to breathe. Now you're here. And all this. And he just was, he was on it. <laughs> he was, there, you know, it was so peaceful. It was really, really peaceful, serene, like beautiful experience. And I'm just thinking back to your own birth experience and how, you know, what, what you've given your son yeah. in, in, in preparing and how that experience is for him and how that's going to sort of shape him with his own memories that are buried so deep within him and how, you know, you know, when you talk about the impact of our own birth experiences that many people don't really think about or consider. And for me, you know, I, when I started learning about the impact of our birth experience, this is another reason why I think it's so important to spend your pregnancy doing what you can to create that positive experience for you and your baby. Because, goodness, you can just imagine what your baby's gone through and how incredible that would be for them and how you're just setting them up emotionally for life by doing that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really great. And another point to add to that is like throughout the pregnancy, I was doing that too. So his imprinting, if you like, is when you have a problem, you deal with it. When you have a problem, you check it out and clear it and it's okay. So it's like I wasn't scared of having fear. I wasn't scared of feeling those emotions, working through it, checking out my beliefs. So he will have got that on some level because we can't mm. avoid external stressful situations at any point we can't be totally in meditation the whole time so not being scared of that and being able to meet that is a really good model for when he will have challenges in life as well as you know it, it is lovely when a baby can have that being cared for in the womb know they're cared for and then come out in a beautiful yeah. non-separation way and have all that skin to skin and that very first imprinting of is the world is friendly the world is loving yeah and as you said, it really sets people up for life. Yeah. I think that women can, even before they're pregnant, if they know they're going to have children and they're getting ready, is to clear out how their own birth experience affected them and as well as um, fears they may have about actually being pregnant mm. can benefit both their enjoyment of the pregnancy and the birth and, as you said, for the baby, setting them up for life and how that can benefit the whole of humanity as we go yeah. forwards in all these turbulent times. I know, and, and it sounds big and ballsy to say the whole of humanity, but it is really. Yeah. And you think about how the, the, the rippling effects of a, a birth experience, how far reaching that could be. You know, it starts with the mother and the baby, then it, it touches on the father and the whole of the family unit. And if they can live in... In, you know, in a, in a conflict-free environment. And it's never going to be conflict-free, but if they can live in a very loving environment full of compassion and how that's going to ripple around the, their own family, their own community. Whereas if you've got, you know, a, a difficult experience there that's sort of 
that that starts people on the back foot, then that really does have far reaching consequences too. So I think, you know, when we use the word humanity, it's not being too ballsy. I think it's being entirely accurate, you know. Yeah. And it's definitely an area that's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, especially given the sudden what's going on environmentally and politically and, and all that stuff at the moment, it just kind of feels like we need to really focus on, on this really, on, on the things that we can make a difference on. And this is for a woman that's facing pregnancy, that's considering being a mother is to do this kind of work. So I think it really does pay off. And I love what you were saying as well about how, you know, the fact that you as a mother, when you're pregnant, uh, doing this kind of work and how that really shows the child that this is how you deal with stuff. And and I get some women that, uh, that listen to the podcast say, oh, I get really worried. You know, you say that they're marinating in my emotional juices and I can't keep I can't keep feeling positive all the time. And it's like, well, it's not about being positive all the time. It's about having a healthy range of human emotions and then showing that you're moving through those and handling them mm-hmm. rather than suppressing them, rather than ignoring them, rather than not dealing with them or, or maybe allowing them to get out of balance. It's about having a healthy emotional life with the ups and the downs you mean there's going to be times in your life that are challenging there might be some really difficult times during your pregnancy it doesn't mean that that's you know having that doesn't mean the baby's going to suffer from that but it's how you choose to handle that and how you choose to move through it and that's the important thing and I love what you said about how that's imprinting on the child too and giving them those kind of capacities too so this is just I love it I love it thank you thank you for sharing this this is really interesting so I'm really curious now sort of beyond your birth then you've talked about you had a miscarriage already and so what's happened you know that you've had sort of you know the difficulty and the challenges around a miscarriage and then an amazing birth experience so move on can you move us on a little bit in your own birth pregnancy journey motherhood journey what what was it like what was the next part like for you well I had a big learning experience becoming a mother and um, it was really great because I I'd I'd kind of listened from different cultures, like my husband's from Africa, so they carry their babies a lot. And so I'd, I'd been doing that and I'd been reading that kind of um, parenting site. And I really had a great time. And then um, I became pregnant again, quite surprisingly, actually. Not that surprisingly. There was two and a half years. He was already two and a half years old. But I'm one of those women who don't, I didn't get my period back um at all actually I just became pregnant again and it was two and a half years that I hadn't had my period and I know that's on the sort of extreme end of the bell curve if you like that some women no matter what you do how much you're breastfeeding they get their periods back very quickly most women I think I've read if you if you fully do breastfeeding where um because I wasn't away from nine to five or anything like that so he could have access whenever he wanted day and night and he did um so I think in the middle it can be like a year, a year and a half. It's quite common if you're doing that. But two and a half years is obviously on the far end. Mm. So I wasn't even thinking about pregnancy, and then I started feeling nauseous. And um, and that's and that's interesting. Um, you know, I had no idea, and it took me three days of nausea to to figure it out. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's do my. I did the NPA process on nausea or sickness or something, and it was so. I just had not entered my mind that I could be pregnant. And I did the NPA process, which is simple six lines and feeling into the whole consciousness that that word is pointing at. And I suddenly went, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. I didn't. I knew it. But I went and got a pregnancy test and I was like, oh, my, I'm pregnant. Because, but you're still breastfeeding. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but he's two and a half now. He doesn't have as much as before. <laughs> and so I was like, wow. And I thought I'd be more confident the second time round because it had gone so well. 
and blow me down. But it was like I was even more nervous and scared. It was really fascinating. It was like a completely different experience. And I see it from my own personal development way as I was going deeper. I feel like the universe was very kind with me the first time. And it was because I had a low level of confidence and historically a low level of self-esteem and confidence that I'd done a lot of work on. And then motherhood was the next level. Um, I'd, I'd done a lot of work there and it was still at one level. And then the next child, it was like, OK, you can go deeper into this now. Mm, we're going to throw more crap at you because yep, <laughs> you can take it. <laughs> Even deeper stuff came up on my fears of... of um, of not being allowed to do what I wanted to do. That was my biggest fear. And um, and it, it links in with what I call, what I've been taught as the persecution imprint, where historically women have been persecuted for being women and for women's wisdom. And that is kind of still alive in us in some way. And for certain women, particularly healers or people that work as I do, it can still be alive in even essentially that sometimes those kind of consciousnesses can still stay alive in us even though the external reality of today isn't it's not witch hunting and burning at the stake or anything anymore but when we see um we can still see sometimes the same energetic pattern happening when we go in for example when i hear stories of women going in and they're not being listened to or um doctors are kind of saying no you can't do that and they're not valuing what the women are saying and there's a historical element to that that I started working with and clearing yeah I I felt very confident again when I got to birth that I was confident that I even though I still it was the most interesting thing because I in my first pregnancy I'd cleared the fears that came up so I went into the birth not feeling scared at all the second one I had fears even come up during the labor but it was so confidence building that I had a choice to which to tune into because I could simultaneously feel that it was going to be okay and that the fears weren't real, that, that they were just left over, they were passing through, that I could feel that they had no substance to them. It wasn't the kind of fear you get when it's a warning that you need to take heed of. Mm-hmm. Like this one is like the bus crossing the road, but say you're in labour and you get something, you might, you know, women always know if there's something wrong I always wonder why people don't listen when the mother says, can you just check this? I think the baby's not okay. And they, you know, women know. And I I wasn't getting a feeling like that at all. It was just, oh, my God. God." And I knew it wasn't real. So I had the choice to tune into the peace and to the strength and stability. And I didn't have much time to do that because the whole labor was three and a half hours from start to finish. (laughs) The previous one was 24 hours. So it did take me by surprise. But again, I'd been on a call um, for a community call, part of the non-personal awareness work that I do, there's a community where you go on calls every fortnight and you can practice. Um, and I'd been on that call that night and, I, and I, I'd actually borrowed someone else's, what they were saying. I thought, oh, that works for me as well. And it was being ready and the unknown. And they were two things that were coming up for me. I didn't feel ready. I hadn't tidied the house um, enough. Uh, <laughs> I cleaned the bathroom. That was where he was born, interestingly enough. But I hadn't cleaned the living room where I thought he was going to be born. And I did this being ready, getting into the energy of being ready. Bang, the contractions start. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I was like, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. I'm 39 plus three, so there's a bit of a pattern there. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I was just like, oh, okay. I was like, well, last time I went to bed, because this was the evening. My husband hadn't even come in from work. He works in. I was like, I should go to bed. And I was like... I can't. 
and it took me by surprise because the first one I mean it's a bit dim I should you know everybody says each one is different each pregnancy is different each child is different each birth is different their own and what we sometimes forget when we're looking at um, how we want to give birth the baby has an, an opinion as well on a kind of soul level I think so we're kind of working together to co-create and he he was ready to come and um, once I got ready as well we were all ready and I was like, I can't, I can't go to bed. So my husband came in and I went and had dinner and I was sat downstairs and I was going, let's look at the weather forecast to see if we had a tent in the garden. Because I was like, if the weather's nice, I'm going to go and labour in the tent in the garden. And we were looking and it was 11pm at night and then my son woke up and I was sitting there and he was pressing me on my back and I was going, oh my God, I can't go to bed through this. And it hadn't occurred to me. They started... 45 seconds long, five minutes apart. Wow. My first contractions, bang, straight on. And um, so anyway, my son had woken up, bless him. So I went upstairs, he was, he must have sensed it, and he was. I was trying to lie down next to him to get him back to sleep, and I couldn't lie down. It was excruciatingly painful to lie down, like, this isn't right, this isn't a good pain. So I was kind of lying down just long enough to get him to close his eyes, stand up and go, Mummy! <laughs> Mummy! And in the end, I just went, Saki, he's not going back to bed. <laughs> So I started pacing the room like I wanted to walk fast. So I was literally storming up and down the like two or three meter space I had in the room. And he was watching me like, mommy, what's going on? I'm having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and he was looking at me. He'd be three in three months. And he was just like looking at me. And then my husband comes in and and he was going, should I call the midwife? No, not time yet. Because that was like, as far as I was concerned, it was only two hours in. <laughs> But I was like gone. I was really gone. I, I think any woman or any midwife would have realised. At that point, I started getting the shakes, mm. and, um, so I knew what that meant. But I was in denial about it. Then I went to the toilet, and you know, any midwife or anyone experienced in birth knows what's happening if a woman is like acting like that and going to the toilet. And my husband tentatively says, "Would you like to call the midwife?" So I said, "No," and I was so quiet in my first birth. And with this one, I was loud. I roared like a lion and woke the neighbour up. <laughs> and um, and then I started pushing. And I went, uh, I'm, I'll call the midwives now. <laughs> I wasn't quite, I, was, I kind of shouted, call the midwives. Downstairs, box, blue sheet. So he goes downstairs, gets the blue sheet, and I just point at this number and say, call that. <laughs> I'm going in the shower. And what I meant was, this baby's coming. I'm finally recognising this baby's coming. We aren't going to get the pool up. Um, so I think water in the shower is, we didn't have a bath at the time, is not the be is the best next option. And what I said to my husband was shower, essentially. So he thought I was going for a shower, you know, I don't know, to wash myself. <laughs> I'm not too sure. <laughs> yeah, like, like we do. <laughs> <laughs> he trotted off to call the midwife and told her to come, and then he went to put the pool up. Um and I, I basically had the baby in the shower and then called him back again. <laughs> what, on your own? Yes. No way. Seriously, he was, I, it was so lovely. It was the most amazing thing. And from what we were saying before about my journey to confidence, from being not very confident about what I can do by myself and what I can do um, at all or the worth I have as a person from being like that birth experience of myself or oh, I can feel the emotion in this of being separated from my mom it was as if nobody cared about me nobody loved me therefore I must not be lovable therefore I'm worthless and I couldn't even be born by myself they had to help me and that kind of switch off shut down disassociation to I'm here telling my husband what to do managing that 
and experiencing this labor and doing it on my own and and it was so empowering that I really noticed the shift in confidence and of course my concern about the midwives was irrelevant because uh, they weren't actually even there I saw them by that point so I was standing in the shower and it was oh it was beautiful because I was stood in the shower and once I got to that stage in the shower the pain had gone Mm. um I think some of it was the you know a little bit of stress that had come up while it was happening so fast as well Mm. and um and I was like you know standing up in this I kind of had this vague thought and that if I put it into words now was standing up on a hard surface not a good idea let's get down lower Um, a slippery wet surface (laughs) slippery wet surface so I and you know if someone had said to me beforehand you're going to do this on your own how do you think you'll do it I'd gone I don't know you know how do you do it how how all these concerns would have come up but when you're in it you don't think like that you just do it and I I was just doing what needed to be done and there was no one else to give my power away to in any way so I called on what I had, my strengths, and it was so smooth and effortless that I tapped into that we all know. You know, you see animals giving birth, they don't panic about it, they just get on with it. You haven't got that neocortex getting in the way. And I just, so I got down, I had warm water on me, and I put my hand so I could feel his head was coming. He was still in the sack at that point, the waters hadn't gone, I could feel it bulging. And then again, he did the same thing my my other son did. Now, he was coming fast, and I I started panting spontaneously. I didn't think, oh, this is a good thing to do for a baby that's coming too fast. My body just started doing it for me. And I I did do some conscious visualization, and I asked him to come a little bit more slowly because I could feel he was going to tear because I felt a little pain on the inside. And I thought, he's coming too fast. He's going to just barge his way out which is a little bit what he's like in personality, actually. Run around fast. Um, so I, I just said, slow down a bit, mate. <laughs> and envisualized this kind of like rose of like softness opening. I was, I've since read that it's very common for women on their own with no other conditioning to be on the hands and knees and then to move on to one knee and kind of semi-sit-up. Yeah. And that's what I did. So I didn't think it through. It just happened. He came out. And I kind of sat up and moved backwards and picked yeah. him up. So And he came out screaming, so I knew he was okay. Wow. And um, it all came out with, I don't know if the waters had gone before, so the whole lot kind of exploded. No head first. Just, oh, baby, straight out of the direction. And, um, and then the midwife came a few minutes later, and my mum came an hour later. <laughs> wow. One of the things that I learned from that was I thought I wanted a water birth. I was really quite fixed on that. And I thought, oh, the pain relief and the, you know, and I often hear how women really want water birth and they're really disappointed if they can't, whether it's their house that can't fit it or something else. And I realised afterwards that it's not one's better than the other. They were both fantastic and I, in very different feelings, very different way. But it's meant that, you know, for, for any future children that, I'm less fixed on one way or another or the way things go mm. because I had such a great experience with both. I'm curious, you mentioned about how motherhood was your big, um, a big learning for you. And, and, and I just wanted to maybe if we could just talk about, you know, how maybe you handled the being a mother thing, given the tools and, and your awareness, your emotional awareness about where you're at and, and how you handled that and how you found being a mother, like whether it felt completely overwhelming and, and or whether you felt you had it in hand, or I don't know, like where, how you felt coming to grips with being a mother. I really, I really loved it. I really loved the the carrying, and it was 
relatively easy in some ways in the beginning because he took to breastfeeding well. I had the support of my husband and that's normal in his culture. And so he didn't expect me to, you know, be cooking meals or anything. Um, he did a lot of cooking and stuff like that for me. It was really lovely. And as it was the first child, we went to my parents to stay for, for a bit. And um, that was really great. The, the challenges started to come as he got a bit older. And um, I just dealt with them as I, I did in other ways. So it was really great. The biggest challenge for me was when I had two and I had less time. And what it did for me was showed up the holes in my own self-care in where I was putting myself last because I'd done all this work on myself when I was single, essentially, um, around blocks to even being with anyone. But once I was with a family, I was not realizing how I put myself last still when I was single I had so much time that I could do work I could spend time with my husband and there'd still be enough time left over for me to look after me so I was doing but when it came to no time as a mother with two children it, <laughs> I, I had much less time for myself I was getting last and at one point my husband was also getting last and it was focused on the children and I hadn't from the inside I hadn't realized at first what I was doing until I was getting really tired and snappy and irritable and total utter rage for small things with the children. And that's when I realised how important it is, not just the birth, but the aftercare, straight away the postnatal period, which I did do quite well, particularly the second time I learned even more to take time off. But as um, but that looking after yourself is so crucial. Yes. And I really learned that with the motherhood, that it was like the next step in the confidence is also like caring about me mm. and making time. I've made a schedule with me written on it, you know, in timing to help me, yeah. to support me to do that because my habit has been to put myself last. That's what I've been modelled, I guess, from from my own childhood, the children, look after the children and, mm. you know, look after your husband and that kind of 19, it's not 1950s kind of thing, I suppose. So I was subconsciously repeating that. So looking back then, I mean, it's, it sounds to me that, you know, you've kind of your 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 births, even your own birth pregnancy has really helped you to kind of really grow as a woman into the person you are today and has presented you with the kind of challenges that on some level you needed and that you stepped up to. Yeah. Is that a fair comment? Yes, and I think that happens for everybody. For me, it's birth and children, and I think that's very common because as women, it's one of our big rite of passages. And women that don't have children will have something else that will come up for them. But for me, it was like the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, being Becoming a mother and looking after other people and trying to find me in that and keep me in that mm. and work out what really mattered to me and how I can live that and look after my children and look after my husband and and enjoy life and I found it so fulfilling and hard and I, I found that it you know you, your children nobody treats you like your children do <laughs> you know they're, they're very honest but you don't tend to go in the street and say I'm not doing that punch kick I just <laughs> so they really trigger you in in ways that adults don't yeah and because they need so much support and also I would say um because of the way our culture in England tends to be quite isolated in the nuclear family mm. and and really children children aren't meant to be brought up by one or two parents and so I always I really noticed that when I was with my grandpa their grandparents and um how much easier everything was because I had a more of a break and that's really taught me to 
whoever it is, whether it's my friends or my family, to, to build that support in. And um, I also noticed that whenever there was something, I could kind of tune in. When it was just you're tired, you haven't had enough support, so you're getting irritable with your children, doing ordinary children things, and they're tired. Okay, what can we do? There'd be that level, or there'd be like, actually, Charlotte, you're reacting so over the top to this. Rage like you want to kill him. Something else is going on. And I could tell when there was something coming up that was too strong and I would get support on that and look at what the memory was coming up for me or the energy coming up for me and whenever I did that after I could relate to them better and they mirrored it for me Mm. there was one occasion with my son when I was pregnant with my second son and I was due to go and help out at a seminar for the journey and he didn't want me to go and he was screaming mommy don't go mommy don't go mommy don't go and (laughs) You know, he was only three and he was going to be staying with his dad. And it was really strange. So I was late for this seminar. But then I was the person who helped demonstrate on stage where they took me through the process on stage for the people to witness what it was like. So what's the memory come up? My mum's going to give birth to my brother and I'm going, don't go, don't go. <laughs> it was exactly the same energy wow. going on. And I found that re- that's happened a few times. Where they're kind of mirroring, if I'm feeling agitated, everyone around me is agitated. And the children are still, when they're young, they're still so connected to us. Yeah. Particularly the mothers, but also the fathers. And, uh, yeah, no, I've, I've got lots of experiences like that that I could talk about as well. They are so, they're just a reflection of what we're experiencing that we might not be experiencing at conscious level at all. You'd, and, and it's happening so deep within us. Mm. So, yeah, that's such a, a such, such truth. And I'm just, you know, there's going to be a lot of people listening that aren't therapists and thinking, well, this all sounds great, but Charlotte knows all this stuff and she's trained and she's been doing this stuff for years. What yeah. on earth can I do? Because, yeah. you know, I want, I can imagine there's some women listening to this completely disengaging, going, well, I can't even do any of this because I don't know these processes. Yeah, Where that's... can somebody who really is up for having this level of understanding, but is busy with a life, with a career, with kids, with family, how can they kind of, you know, take that first step to having um, improved self-awareness or improved emotional awareness or, or, you know, to help them even feel like they can kind of have a go at achieving something near what you've managed to achieve yeah and um so definitely straight away when people are busy if they feel they're too busy to do this i'd immediately question that because that's at the root of what i learned about me putting myself last so you can immediately make because even just five minutes a day or one minute a day to connect in with you what you want what matters to you it's sending a message that you matter and then when you're clear with what you want because women listening can know what they want, they just don't know how to get there. At that point, the path will open up. This is what I want, so show me. How can I do this? And then they can start to see, because it will be different for everyone. Someone may follow the tools I've used. You have tools I know with your reflective repatterning and so on. It might be they prefer those tools. It might be they just need to join, say, I know there's the positive birth movement groups where they're chatting. There may be different levels of what people need. So then they can see what they're drawn to. Just straight away, a few minutes with themselves and acknowledging the feelings that are there. People tend to say, oh, I'm a little bit nervous about giving birth. They're out and out terrified if they go in it, but we're so used to squashing that down. So to know that acknowledging it doesn't doesn't mean it's going to take over. And to get that support, there are, for example, the tool I do, the non-personal awareness, he gives away the basics of that free on his website, The Founder. I can give you a link to that mm. where you can just practice. It's so simple. You don't need any training to start practicing and get benefits so that if someone's drawn to it, they can then choose to get training. 
similar for some of the other techniques I do. There's books and things that can be read and you can apply it in the journey book. She um, has the basic script in the back of the book. You can practice it yourselves. There have been stories of people having good results with that. And the same with another technique I use is called the Compassion Key by Edward Mannix. And he has a book. And, the, and again, these, these, what I find we're moving towards is simple techniques. And because really it's all about living your life, letting the emotions come through, letting what's happening. And we're so used to squashing it all. So these simple techniques are actually more accessible than we think because the traditional method was you'd go to a psychotherapist or, you know, if you had problems or you'd, you'd be referred for medication. And it was long and hard. And traditionally as well, like we know that, say, monks would go for years in a cave to meditate. And I feel like where we are at the world at the moment is that's been done. And now it's like... Like the Dalai Lama going from his esoteric place in Tibet where no one's heard of him, now the whole world's heard of him and we're reading about his teachings and that's accessible to suddenly a whole lot of people it wasn't accessible to before. And I feel that the that the this, the kind of skills that I did are also getting like that now. The whole world is changing. So we can start with like the small places and see what you're drawn to. Yeah. No, I, I love what you're saying. So you're right. There are so many techniques out there that are just so simple that, yeah. that you can start getting results then if you find that is working for you then you can choose to then learn a little bit more about it which doesn't mean doing full-blown professional training it might mean a couple of days at a workshop it might mean whatever doing an online program to allow you to have a deeper level of understanding which means you can use it better and and, and those things are totally accessible and I know a lot of the stuff that I share in my online program are tools just like that that are just so simple to use on yourself that can give you amazing results so yeah, yeah I think you're right and the, all the ones that you've mentioned so yeah, send me all the links. I'm going to include all those links in the show notes for this episode because I think this is just gold for anyone who really wants to go for this, you know? Because I think some people don't need as much. Some of their fears are just the society stuff that's yeah. around us and yeah. they can just clear that quite simply. So I have worked with a one woman, for example, who just had one session with me or maybe two and that was enough. Yeah. She had a great time and she did some hypnobirthing CDs, but not the full course. Whereas other people have worked with me, you know, fortnightly for months and months and months, like lots of process work, because they had a deeper level of previous trauma in their life yeah. and, and they needed more. So again, someone who may be, when, what I'd say is sometimes when we're sitting there and we're fearful of something, it can feel like it's overwhelming and there's absolutely no way out because you're in it yeah. whereas when it shifts it's like oh and we forget because the better places is the new normal and we don't realize how far we've come and it can feel so overwhelming in that place that you think oh I'd, I'd need years of therapy something to sort this out whereas actually it might be something very much easier than that to shift yeah no, I've got, I've, there's loads of women I've worked with like that. There's a woman who signed, she signed up for three months of work with me because she was like, I'm absolutely terrified. I've got a doula, I'm doing hypnobirth, I'm, I'm throwing everything at my birth. And we, we had the first session and then, and then I came back to session two. I was like, how's it going? She goes, I'm fine. I've got no fears. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> okay, well, we'll work on all this other life stuff that might show up during your birth. And so we ended up doing a load of work on loads of other things that really put her in a good stead to prepare for the birth. But yeah, it felt to her so overwhelming at that moment that she felt that she was going to need months of work and she didn't, she just needed one session. And so, yeah, you know, it, it, and another tocophobic woman I work with who's been, you know, planning once kids and isn't because she's so terrified. And again, she was amazed that we were able to sort of clear this in a couple of weeks. She's like, I've had this for years. I thought I was going to need years of therapy for this. And it's like, no, the techniques that we both use, you know, there are many around that are just so powerful. And, and yeah, like you say, when you're in it, it can feel so overwhelming and you can't seem to see beyond it that, that it's really worth 
seeking out that support because you might be really surprised at how quick you can let go of this stuff. I know that some of the stuff when I did my own personal work and clearance, I was like, wow, have I just cleared that in like half an hour? I've been carrying this crap for how long and it's been affecting me in all these ways. And I've, I didn't want to go near it because even the sense of going near it was fearful. You know, some people are fearful of their emotions, not, you know, and, and it stops them from actually dabbling in, in wanting to do that clearance work. So you're right. I'm, I'm, it's just great to hear that you're seeing that with the work and the techniques that you use as well. So, so now we've been, we could talk for another four days I'm sure so I'm going to try and wrap this up now Charlotte it's been absolutely fascinating listening to your journey and how how your you know your journey of miscarriage pregnancy motherhood all that stuff has really sort of helped you to grow as a woman and, and I hope that listeners can really take a lot from listening to the, what you shared today so um, just before we go would you mind just sharing a little bit more about where they can find you online if they want to sort of have one of these MBA sessions and, and, and find out more about your work Yes, so um, my business address is www.birthessence.co.uk. So my, on my website, you can find there's a blog on there and there are some different posts that some of the things we've talked about, I've written in the blog post, some of the aspects of the birth story and how I've used the tools are on there in blog posts that people can read. Brilliant. There is also a guided visualisation moving from fear to confidence of kind of a hypnobirthing style where you let go of fears in a, in a river. That's also available um, on the website as well for people who like that. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm going to put all those links in the show notes for today. And I just want to give you another big thank you for coming on the Fear Free Childhood podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mamaship community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.